Hello and welcome to our latest patient safety podcast from the NHS England National Patient Safety Team, where we aim to bring you insightful conversations around patient safety and the NHS patient safety strategy. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the recently published Patient Safety Incident Response Framework, or PSERF for short. We'll be focusing on a key part of PSERF, which is engaging with those that have been affected by a patient safety incident, for example, the patient, their family member or a member of staff. Specifically, we'll be looking at the new supporting guidance around this issue that's been published alongside the PSERF. This has been produced by a partnership of NHS England, the Healthcare Safety Investigation Branch and Learn Together. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by some fantastic guests from each of those organisations. So we have Tracy Hurley, Head of Patient Safety Incident Response Policy, and also Laura Mosley, Head of Patient Safety Implementation, both from the National Patient Safety Team. We also have Lou Pai, Head of Family Engagement at the Healthcare Safety Investigation Branch. And finally, Jane O'Hara from the Learn Together Research Team, who is a Professor of Healthcare Quality and Safety at University of Leeds and Deputy Director of the Yorkshire Quality and Safety Research Group. So hello to all our guests today. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, to kick off the conversation, starting with you, Lauren, can you start by explaining why it's so important to engage with patients, families and staff following an incident, both from a compassion point of view and also around how it can benefit patient safety improvement? Yeah, thanks, James. There's, um, there's a couple of really important reasons, both moral and logical reasons for engaging with those affected by patient safety incidents and involving them in the learning response. So firstly, those affected by patient safety incidents may have a range of needs, including clinical needs as a result of the incident that they've been affected by. And we need to meet these needs wherever possible. This is part of our duty of care. Um, and meeting people's needs is not, it not only helps alleviate the harm that they may have experienced, but also helps avoid compounding harm that, that those affected sometimes feel if they are not engaged and involved in that learning response process. We can't change the fact that an incident's happened, but it is within our gift uh, to compassionately engage with those affected, to listen, um, to answer their questions and to try and meet their, their needs as far as we possibly can. But secondly, uh, we really need to engage with those affected by patient safety incidents because sometimes they are the only people that have a full picture of events. So it improves our understanding of what happened um, and potentially how to prevent a similar incident in, in the future. So it really is the, the right thing to do, both for the for the patients involved and the families and staff members from the compassionate point of view, and also to support patient safety improvement. Uh, so Tracy, moving on to you, um, this is a new piece of guidance included as part of the revised PISA framework. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it came about? Yes, thanks, James. So yeah, the patient safety incident response framework is going to replace the serious incident framework. And we published um, the introductory um, version of PSERF in March 2020. Um, and we had our early adopter program, which was really testing how um, we can fulfill the aims of the framework. And there are four main aims. And the first one centers on compassionate engagement and involvement of those affected by patient safety incidents. Um, and we had, when we had the, um, the early adopter program independently evaluated, one of the recommendations from that evaluation was to look at how, what the guidance that we give around engagement of those affected, particularly since PSERF offers this um, approach where we can um, use methods other than just um, root cause analysis. 
um, to learn from patient safety incidents. So based on the, um, the recommendation from the evaluation, but also some work that we were doing alongside the patient family involvement in serious incident investigations research. So Lauren and I were able to participate in this research project. And, and we have Jane, who's here with today, who'll be able to tell us a lot more about that. Um, and we were learning a lot more about what good engagement involves and um, starting to contribute to some innovative ways to how we can improve this. And also through some of my um, previous work at the Healthcare Safety Investigation Branch, um, I've worked with um, Lou Pai before, and Lou was very good at kind of bringing to our attention this kind of need to have um, more practical guidance um, for those who work in this area. So this kind of led to this collaboration between the three of us, which was really um, exciting. And we kind of um, all came together alongside other stakeholders to see um, whether or not this kind of new guidance was needed and so on. So we brought together a stakeholder group, which included ourselves, but also um, patient partners, um, both patients and staff with lived experience of being involved in serious incident investigations, patient advocates, and importantly as well, um, end users, so those patient safety managers who will be picking up the document and trying to put it into practice, and those family liaison officers who will be using the guidance um, and hopefully helping to inform how they engage with those who've been affected. So we brought together this stakeholder group and we started to try and tackle some of those kind of tricky questions quite early on. So did we need separate documents for families versus staff or do, the, do, the, do these groups of um, people have the same needs, those who've been affected by patient safety incidents? Um, we we kind of came together and what the document now talks about is both, it kind of includes both families and staff within the, within the same document. Um, and also we asked whether or not the document should focus specifically on how we involve people through the investigation process. And what we've been able to do through the document is actually quite, is broaden it up and we talk we, we talk about involvement and supporting people through the process, but we also talk more broadly about how we engage those who have been affected. How do we um, meet with them? How do we answer their questions? How do we discuss their support needs and so on? So that's how it all came about. And we're really excited now that it's out there um, in the open for people to kind of use. Thanks for that, Tracy. Um, I'm going to bring Jane in now from uh, Le the Learn Together research team. Uh, Jane, in the engagement guidance, we linked to the output from the Learn Together programme. Can you tell us some more about the research, how you've gone about it and some of the findings so far? Yes, I'm very happy to, James. Um, so as a researcher, I've had a long time interest in how we involve and engage patients and families more generally in patient safety. and um, across the sort of decade or more that I've been doing this work, um, we've established lots of different things. So patients and families can tell us all kinds of different bits of information about their experience that can really help us to um, improve safety. Uh, but also one of the things through that work and through the work of others is that we've come to realise that whilst investigations are the cornerstone of patient safety management and patient safety improvement, not just within the UK, but globally. We also knew that patients and families were not really routinely involved in investigations when something had happened. So what we're missing, I guess, from investigations is their key voice in both understanding what has happened, but also um, trying to support things to improve um, when things have, have, have happened in healthcare. 
Um, so in 2019, uh, we were lucky enough as a group to get funded by the National Institute for Health Research to do some work where we designed and tested new guidance for the involvement of patients and families in serious incident investigations. And within this work, we, we started by doing three sort of foundational research activities. So the first was to explore what healthcare trusts say that they do uh, with respect to involving patients and families. And to do that, we looked at uh, policy documents, a range of policy documents for that. Um, the second thing we did was to explore what the scientific literature said about this um, phenomenon. So what was the experience of involvement uh, within investigations for patients and families and what other stakeholders thought about that? But the main thing that we wanted to do was to speak to people. So we interviewed around about 50 people um, from a range of different stakeholders. So principally, of course, patients and families. Um, we spoke to them about what their experience had been about investigations and adverse events. But we also spoke to two other key stakeholder groups. So we spoke to staff who had been involved in um, a serious incident and any subsequent investigation. But we also spoke to investigators and this last group is really important in the context of this work because they're really the fulcrum around which all of this activity flows. So it was really important for us to understand what their experience is like in undertaking in investigations and what some of the challenges and the opportunities, I guess, might be for involving patients and families. So in terms of what we found so far, um, as Tracy has already talked about and also Lauren, um, I think one of our principal findings is that when uh, as healthcare policymakers or pract uh, practitioners, what we've often thought, and this is the current driver currently in um, healthcare policy and practice, is that investigations should principally be about learning. So organisations learning about what has happened so that, you know, you reduce the likelihood of things happening again in the future. And that was, of course, there, you know, and it's a really foundational part of what investigations are there to do. But what came across really strongly was that investigations are relational. So what we mean by that is that they're really complex processes that happen between humans existing in this system. Um, and as Lauren has already talked about, people, when something happens to them and when they're going through an investigation, they have a range of needs and particularly patients and families, obviously, but also healthcare staff and both of these groups have a range of needs and only some of those needs are, are, are about the actual index original adverse event itself. So when we're prejudicing learning at the exclusion of everything else, we neglect these other needs, the needs that might be arising um, from the investigation itself. And neglecting these needs is really problematic because it's neglecting those needs which could actually lead to what we're coming to term as compounded harm. And compounded harm is not trivial. It's really important to understand this as a very significant thing in and of itself, because what some people were saying to us um, when we spoke to them about being involved in incident investigations was that it was worse than the original event, even when that event was the death, for example, of a loved one. Um, or somebody close to them. So we can see that actually this 
term compounded harm, it's really important for us to understand what that means in the context of this guidance and really what we've tried to do um, and what's been so brilliant about this partnership is that we've been able to sort of bring this understanding into this guidance to try and say, can we not just focus on organisational learning, but also focus on trying to reduce the compounded harm and trying to compassionately engage patients and families. Um, so that's where we're at with the guidance. Um, we've, we've used this understanding to uh, develop with a set of um, key stakeholders uh, within a co-design community that numbers over 50 people. So policymakers, researchers, staff, um, patients and families, of course. Um, we've co-designed these new uh, guidance documents to um, try and support principally investigators to do this process better. And it's very much not about telling them what to do, but actually telling them how and helping them um, know how to do it and to support them to do it better. Um, and we're now in a testing phase, so we're working with four sites within the Yorkshire region, four, four different um, healthcare trusts, two of which are acute and two of which are um, from a mental health setting. And um, really excitingly, because um, Lou's here today, um, we're also working with uh, the HSIB as one of our partner organisations, testing out a slightly adapted version of the work that they're doing there. Um, so we're just really delighted of course to have been part of this work and and to be able to have fed some of our evidence and some particularly around the common principles uh, feeding that into this uh, new uh, national guidance um, and specifically as you say the, the the materials that we develop will be linked to from this uh, new guidance that has been made available now um, they will be hosted on our website and trusts can go on there and download them uh, to use them as is, but of course to adapt them uh, for their use as an, you know, um, in terms of how they see fit. Thank you for that. So it sounds like a huge amount of um, work has gone with various partners and, and patients to have input into this guidance. So I think that's really, really important and it will make a, a big difference on um, providing guidance to the NHS and how they respond in these situations and the compassion that they give to everybody that's been involved in an incident. So moving on to Lou now from HSIB. Tracy had mentioned earlier um, in her discussions about a gap in the available guidance. Uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit more, please? Thanks, James. Yes, of course. So um, running separately to what you've heard already from Tracy, Lauren and Jane um, is the work of HSIB, the Healthcare Safety Investigation Branch. So HSIB was formed in 2017 and there was a very firm desire from the beginning of their work to ensure that the work that HSIB conducted would involve patients, families and staff effectively both in their national programme and also in their later maternity programme. So basically from a blank canvas, we were in a position to decide what systems, processes, required support and resources we would need to achieve this work and to achieve to do it well. So we looked at how these processes could be set up, what was needed to maintain them and how we could ensure that we could review and improve those practices within our own organisation. Now, in the development of that work, it became clear that many national reports over many years drew attention to this area of work, but it appeared there was very little guidance on the how to, the how to do it for people conducting the role. 
people I spoke to in those earlier days had a similar desire to improve delivery of this particular element of patient safety work. But they were saying to me they were unsure of where to go to get that assistance or to get that guidance. I think it's important to recognise that there were pockets of good practice that appeared present, but there was no particular consistency or more recent guidance to help those that wanted to review or improve this area of work. So if I if I link this back to something outside of HSIB, which is my previous role within the police service, where I was involved in investigating serious and complex crimes, and in particular, the way we worked with families using the role of FLOs, family liaison officers, in gathering that evidence and supporting those families. It was clear to me that the development and improvement of the work that I saw in that arena had many similar um, similarities. Um, there was um, ad hoc practice initially, um, but then it developed into a much more coordinated approach after some high profile events and public reports that happened in, in the criminal justice system. Um, and following that, a manual of guidance was developed. Now, that, in my opinion, greatly assisted those conducting the role and also those responsible for the oversight of it. So linking that back into the um, patient safety arena that we're, we're talking about here today, once we used some of that experience from a, a different sector and we developed the HSRB systems, we were in a much better position to review our approach to patients, families and staff. And we started having early conversations with the patient safety team at HSCI about how we could share this learning um, and how we could build on a different sector and how guidance had formed and developed um, a professional role in the way it was conducted. And I'm really pleased to say that um, Tracy and Lauren and, and the patient safety team at NHSEI were incredibly receptive to this idea. Um, our opportunity to be involved with Jane and, and the Learn Together team and the, and the guidance that they've developed, you've already heard a little bit about. And it was a great opportunity to combine that work too and combine what they'd learnt. And, and we are all still continuing to learn. So um, putting all three of the, those experiences together with, within the PISA framework seemed a really good opportunity. And we hope that the supplementary guidance that has been produced will assist in the conversations that now need to be held to review and improve the way those central to patient safety incidents are involved and supported. And also really importantly, demonstrate our collective commitment to doing this effectively. And um, we at HSIB are very pleased to have been part of this work and we really look forward to the feedback that people hopefully will give us so that we can continue to review and improve the guidance. Thank you, Lou. Um, yeah, and, and as you said there, it's going to be so important to have a coordinated approach to this that anyone working in the NHS can, can look to for guidance around how they should be engaging with the people who have been involved in an incident. Uh, Lauren, uh, moving on, on to you, Lauren from the National Patient Safety Team. So just want interested in finding out what your reflections are on the guidance. Um, you've been familiar with being open for, for many years, which this guidance will replace. How do you think this guidance will change how we engage with those affected by patient safety incidents? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Jane. The, being open was a great document, and I think like lots of things issued by the MPSA, it was ahead of its time. And it provided some really helpful principles to support openness and honesty. But I think the document we have developed builds on this and it incorporates all the latest research from the work that Jane's just described and good practice um, from other places, from linking with Lou and HSIB and others. 
and it's much more practical in nature. Um, so it talks, we've split the document into two parts. It talks in part A about the activity that needs to happen to support the creation of systems which allow compassionate engagement and involvement to happen. So we refer to this as creating the right conditions. And that includes, for example, leadership, training and competencies. But it also covers some really practical process details in part B, which is more of a how to. Um, and what was really, really nice as part of our work with the, the, the stakeholder group that were working with us to create this document was that patient and family and investigation response leads were printing this out even at a really early draft stage and using it to inform their day-to-day -day work. And I, I think that, you know, is a measure of what a helpful document it, it was. I think it's important to recognise, though, that while this document addresses a really important gap in terms of guidance, it's being introduced as alongside other documents and resources and a number of system changes which have been designed to work together to raise the importance of compassionate engagement and involvement of those affected by patient safety incidents, um, because guidance on its own can't change everything. So, for example, we've got new patient safety incident response standards, um, which will have specific standards on engagement and involvement of those affected. We've got new oversight functions that will be coming in as part of the new patient safety incident response framework. Um, and, and the purpose of that new oversight function is to look at the strength of systems to respond to patient safety incidents. Um, and looking specifically at how well patients and families and staff are being engaged and involved. Um, so, and we also hope that the new ways of working will reduce that sense of blame that has sometimes been felt under the existing system. Um, and that in turn, we hope will support more open cultures as people will feel more psychologically safe and, and confident about being more open when things do go wrong. Thanks, Lauren. Um, yeah, well, thanks everyone. I think this has been a really informative session um, and I'm sure people listening will find it really helpful as they go and set about to prepare for the implementation of PSERF and doing this uh, engagement work. Um, finally, for Tracy, um, what's next for the guidance? Yeah, so I guess now that the um, the the framework and the and the accompanying documents have all been published, I imagine People will be digesting the information and then getting ready to kind of commence that um, preparation to transition to PSERF. But for this kind of document in particular, um, we will be closely kind of following how it's kind of being used and how um, it, how useful it is. Um, we'll be doing that through kind of our national PSERF implementation group, through um, patient safety collaboratives and the patient safety improvement networks. But specifically, we will be working again with HSIB and the Learn Together program to be to be able to assess how the document is being used. So we're always open to feedback. Um, for all of the documentation, but for this one in particular, we will be hosting a survey um, later on throughout the year. And we, and as the Learn Together research kind of continues alongside um, the publication of the national guidance, we hope to kind of bring together all that learning, I'd say in approximately 12 months time-ish, um, to help us to kind of build on what we've developed already. And we will be able to update the document so it reflects um, the best of our kind of combined understanding of how we can um, improve kind of engagement and involvement of those who've been affected. Thank you for that, Tracy. Um, Jane, I think you had one final thought on that. 
Yeah, so I, I think it's just worth saying, I think, that, um, you know, this situation where policy makers, uh, people who are at the forefront, you know, nationally, as the HCIP, um are, of kind of pushing forward with investigatory policy and practice, and a research programme, it's, it's a it's a relatively unusual combination of, of, of things that have come together to produce this guidance. And I think with that comes a real opportunity to not only put something out that's based on this collaboration, but also to um, really grab the opportunity to understand in real time what people are doing with the guidance, what the challenges are for them, um, what has been useful for them um, when they have used the guidance or what perhaps we might need to think about in terms of further system um, or infrastructure improvements um, that might support them to use the guidance. We would really encourage people to, when we come out with the survey or, um, you know, perhaps things might come out on social media, for example, from the National Patient Safety Policy team, um, where they see that, um, where we're asking for uh, information from them about using the guidance. If people could really embrace that and work with us to give us any anything that they um, can think of with respect to uh, feedback on the guidance, that would be amazing because it's a real opportunity to actually bring all of these perspectives together, understand how it gets used in real time and then iterate it so that the final document really does represent what it's like to do investigations that can compassionately engage with patients and families within healthcare trusts. Thank you, Jane. Um, so, yeah, that brings our podcast to a close. Thank you again for everyone that's contributed. Uh, it's been a really, really interesting session. Uh, and just to reiterate what Jane just said then, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for people to get involved and feedback their comments and thoughts on how they think this is going to work. You can find the PSERF documents, including the engagement guidance on our website. Um, so you can either just Google PSERF um, and then you should find the page that way. Or the URL is uh, england.nhs.uk forward slash patient safety forward slash safety incident response framework. Uh, you can also look out on Twitter. We'll be posting updates as we move through the um, preparation phase. So our Twitter handle is at PTSafetyNHS. And we also have a future NHS platform where we have a dedicated area for PSERP within the National Patient Safety Team's workspace, where we post in um, various resources to support you to implement um, everything around PSERP. And as part of that, we have a discussion forum too, so you can feel free to post any questions you want and the wider NHS community will start to participate and share their thoughts around that. So thank you everyone again, and thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, hope you found that really informative.